Chapter Three of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jesse Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, An Unexpected Caller. And if I do say it as shouldn't, this room is a credit to our college and our own sweet native land," proclaimed Elfreda, as she viewed with critical eyes the long, cheerful living room to which she and Grace had just put the final touches. The morning sunshine of a perfect midsummer day poured in at the windows, flooding the scene with dazzling light, as though smiling its approval of the pretty room. The walls and ceiling were papered in cream colour, with a running border of green leaves. The floor rug was in two shades of green, and the window draperies were in green and white. The furniture was in mission oak, but there were several comfortable armchairs and willow rockers scattered about the room. A long library table took up considerable space at one end of the room, and conveniently near it were rows of bookshelves lined with special books required by the Overton Curriculum of Study, which, in price, were out of reach of the more impetuous students, and were in such constant demand at the library that their temporary possession often meant weeks of waiting. There was a piano, of course, but the crowning feature of the room, however, was the wide window seat built across the bow window at its upper end. It was at least four feet wide, upholstered in thick green velvet and piled high with sofa pillows. It was indeed a cosy corner which invited rest, and Elfreda confidently predicted that it would be the most popular spot in the house. The house itself had not followed the usual plan of modern architecture. In fact, it was distinctly old-fashioned and built for room rather than effect. The hall ran the length of the house to the kitchen, dividing it into two parts. Dining room was on the side opposite the living room and had also a bow window. Directly behind it lay the servants' quarters. Adjoining the living room was Grace's little office, and behind that was a room furnished with every convenience for the benefit of those girls who were obliged to launder their own clothing to save expense. The second, third, and fourth floors were, with the exception of Grace's suite, given up entirely to bedrooms, of which there were sixteen. This meant the accommodation of thirty-two students, for whom the perplexing problem of food and shelter was solved for their entire four years' course at Overton, provided they complied with the rules of Harlow House. Doesn't it seem wonderful, Elfreda, that through Mrs. Gray's generosity, the girls who come here will be free from the dreadful worry of paying board? All they will have to look out for is their regular college fees, and if they happen to be lucky enough to enter Overton on scholarships, they will have absolutely plain sailing. Grace's face was alight with appreciation of Mrs. Gray's gift. What a pity Ruth Denton couldn't have had such a chance, mused Elfreda. Poor little Ruth, how hard she worked. And now she has everything, returned Grace. It seems miraculous that she found her father, doesn't it? Alfreda nodded. Arlene Thayer was good to her those first three years. Do you remember the ridiculous quarrel they had because Ruth wouldn't tell us what she was like when she was a little girl? I ought to remember it, considering the fact that I officiated as peacemaker, smiled Grace. How I shall miss Arlene. There is only one other girl outside of you and Miriam and Anne whom I shall miss as much. Emma Dean, guessed Alfreda. Yes, Emma Dean. I can't begin to tell you how fond of her I am and always have been. 
She was the life of Wayne Hall. Mrs. Elwood was sighing fond remembrance of her only this morning. Really, Elfreda, I wonder if ever again there'll be a class quite like nineteen-something. Never, declared Elfreda with quick loyalty. Then, glancing up at the mission clock on the wall, she exclaimed, I wonder why Mrs. Gray doesn't come. Let's go out on the veranda and watch for her. The two young women strolled out onto the veranda, just in time to see an automobile drive up to the house containing two persons. One of them was Mrs. Gray. The other, to whom she was talking animatedly, was a broad-shouldered young man, whose grey eyes shone with pleasure as he caught sight of Grace. "'Why, Tom!' she called in astonishment. "'Where did you come from? I thought you were away up in Maine.' She hurried down the steps, her hands extended. The young man caught them in his and held them fast. "'So I was,' he answered, his eyes searching hers. "'But my work there is done for present.' I'm on my way to Washington, but it's a roundabout way, for when I received your letter I was devoured with curiosity to see Harlow House, so I took a day off, on my own responsibility, and came this way. Grace coloured under the young man's ardent gaze. She knew only too well that it was not alone curiosity to see Harlow House that had taken Tom out of his way. I'm sorry your curiosity didn't devour you sooner, she retorted mischievously. If only you had come here last week. You could have made yourself invaluable. However, you are in time to meet Alfreda, at least. Yes, Tom, declared his aunt. You can't afford to miss knowing Alfreda. She is the counterpart of Hippy, and has kept Grace and I in a perpetual state of smiles during the past two weeks. Tom helped his aunt out of the automobile, and the three walked slowly toward the veranda where Alfreda stood waiting. A moment later she and Tom were shaking hands and declaring that, having heard so much of each other from Grace, they were really old acquaintances. "'When are you going home?' Tom asked, as half an hour later the party paused in the living room after a tour of inspection which included the four floors. "'That is the main subject under discussion at present,' smiled Grace. "'It must be very soon, if not tomorrow, then the day after.' Here we are fairly into August, and I have spent a very short time with father and mother. Then, too, the Phi Sigma Tau has a great many mysterious rites to observe before two of its members enter into that state known as matrimony. Also, we expect Eleanor Savelli soon. She and her father and aunt are going to be at Heartsease for two or three months. Mabel Allison and her mother are coming east, and the Southards are coming home with Anne when their motion picture work in California is done. I could go on naming plenty of other reasons, but those are the really important ones. I should say they were important ones, agreed Tom. It sounds as though there were to be some lively times in Oakdale. I'm going to try to make my vacation cover the weddings. I can't allow the originals to get married, celebrate, or jollificate without me. Oh, Tom, will you really? said Grace with enthusiasm. I'll let you know the moment the date of the girls' weddings is set. "'Can you stay over until tomorrow, Tom?' asked Mrs. Gray. "'Then we can go back to Oakdale on the late afternoon train.' "'I'm afraid not, Aunt Rose. I'm a day late now. "'I'll have to take the night train for Washington. "'Let me see.' "'He drew a timetable from his coat pocket. "'There's a train out of Overton at nine o'clock tonight. "'I'm due to catch it. "'But I'm going to take you all to dinner at the train, "'and we are going for a drive afterward, which will end at the station.' while you will all see me on my desolate way, 
Are there any objections? Nothing but delighted acceptances, my dear boy, assured his aunt, glancing fondly at her big, good-looking nephew. I'll venture to answer for the girls, too. We'll come to Tom's dinner party, provided he has luncheon with us, stipulated Grace. It's almost noon now. Mrs. Elwood will have luncheon ready at one. You'd better come with us, Tom. We're going to have strawberry shortcake and whipped cream for dessert. You couldn't lose me, asserted Tom with slangy emphasis. Shall I go on ahead and telephone for a car, Aunt Rose? No, I'll walk to Wayne Hall with you children, decided Mrs. Gray. I wonder if there's anything else to be done, murmured Grace, surveying the living room with anxious eyes. Oh, my motto! It must hang directly above the archway. Where is it? asked Elfreda. We have time to put it up before we go to luncheon, and plenty of skilled laborers. She cast a laughing glance at Tom. It isn't made yet, confessed Grace. Eva Allen's brother, who is an artist, is illuminating one for me. What is your motto, Grace? asked Tom interestedly. Blessed are they who have found their work, repeated Grace, her eyes on the spot where she intended the precious motto to hang. Mrs. Gray had walked on into the hall, so there was only one pair of eyes to see the sudden tightening of Tom's lips and the look of wistfulness which crept into his face, and the pair of eyes belonged to Elfreda. He cares a lot more for Grace than she cares for him, was Elfreda's quick appraisal. At heart, Grace is still a little girl, and will be for a long time to come. I hope when she does wake up it won't be another prince who'll do the awakening. End of chapter 3